listen to Max in James chapter 4. week we we kind of got into talking really it basically boiled down to you know it wasn't Galatians chapter 5 but we we're talking about the fruits of the spirit and works of the flesh in a nutshell uh, and I think really what we're if you were to kind of step back and look at all of this together what you would have to say is um, this is the perf- uh, perfecting of the saints. You know, that's uh, what God is dealing with me about. Uh, as we pray for revival, you know, there's a lot of things that have to change if you want to have a, a change in you. <clears throat> I've heard said many times that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting different results. To come about, and uh, so we have to make a change in us if we want to see a change. Um, and really, the only way we can change, the only thing we can do, is to get our lives in alignment with God's word. You know, He has to perform the work in us, but we have to take those steps by being obedient to His word. So let's look in James chapter four. <clears throat> Starting in verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. Man, there's a whole lot of things here we need to cover. Let's just start from the beginning. Submit yourself to God. What does that mean, to submit yourself to God? It means to allow Him... To have His rightful place as Lord of your life. It means to give Him control. Anytime you want to do what you know you shouldn't do, and that little voice in the back of your brain says, you shouldn't do that. See, if you submit yourself to God, you'll say, okay, and you won't do it, right? The times that uh, you're praying and you're seeking God's will and and you ask and He answers, and then you just go on and do what you want to do. That's not submitting yourself to God. You've got to submit to His authority. Recognize His authority in your life as God of your life. That's why we call Jesus Christ Lord, because He is Lord over us. Just like there were kings that ruled kingdoms. Well, He's our King. He has authority over us. The difference in His kingdom is He won't force that authority. He expects you to just recognize who He is and that His authority is valid and that you should just be in subjection to Him. Right? So, the next thing it says, notice it said that first, right? That's the first thing. 
If you don't submit yourself to God, none of the other stuff is going to matter. Because you're putting your own will ahead of His. Then it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, if you look at any any kind of conflict, whether it be two boys in high school fighting, or a war in Afghanistan, if one side doesn't resist, what happens? They get run over, right? So, in order for us to resist the devil... We have to be in submission to God because He's our strength. He's our source. I want to read you this. This was out of one of my commentaries. And I thought it was pretty uh, pretty poignant. It says, Satan is to be looked upon as an enemy. That's simple, isn't it? He's our enemy. Now, you know why why I want to focus on that? Because it's not just Satan, that, that mystical image we have of this devil that is our enemy, okay? It's all those little things that Satan uses to attack us. Those are attacks of the enemy. So those things that you entertain, you allow into your life, guess what you're doing? You're allowing the enemy to attack you. That's not resisting the devil. That's not resisting the enemy. That's sitting there and allowing the enemy to come into your house and sit down and watch TV with you. Y'all probably see on the news and things when there's Countries that are at odds with each other, they have ambassadors, right? And after long periods of times and discussions, they will finally get to a point where they, those ambassadors, can come sit down and talk with each other. But there's a whole lot of things that have to happen before that can come come about, right? Those people are our enemy. Until there is a negotiation, until there's ready to negotiate terms of what the conflict is about, we're not going to go sit down and talk with them. Well, I'm here to tell you tonight, our enemy is not wanting to negotiate. Okay? He is not going to negotiate with you. He is going to force his hand. He's going to have his way in everything. That's his, that's the reason why he was kicked out of heaven. Because He didn't want to have God's will. So let me read the rest of this to you. Satan is to be looked upon as an enemy and to be opposed as such and to be watched and guarded against. This is all falling under resist the devil, okay? The whole armor of God should be taken and made use of, particularly the weapon of prayer. That's why we've been praying. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God and the shield of faith, and also the grace of humility, <clears throat> than, than which nothing is more opposite to Him. He is a proud spirit, and He endeavors to swell men with pride of themselves. When He has worked them up to such a pitch 
He is then master of them and can manage them as He pleases. I've seen that time after time in people's lives. People that are Christians, right? They get that pride built up in them. And you know what? They're not sensitive to the, the voice of the Lord anymore. They listen to themselves. But a poor, humble believer with whom God dwells, to whom He gives more grace... If you go back and read right before this, it says He gives more grace to the humble. And who comes forth not in His own strength. Remember I said it's not our strength, it's God's. We have to submit to Him because it's His strength that we're relying on. But in the strength of the Lord God, as David against Goliath, and who owns His vileness and sinfulness and flies to the grace of God and blood of Christ, Satan knows not what to do with him. He is puzzled, baffled, and confounded. Such he leaves from, such he flees. He does not like the power of prayer, nor the strength of faith, nor the sharpness of the two-edged sword, the Word of God, nor the humble believer's staff, bag, script, and sling. So what this is telling you is that not only is he our enemy, but... When you follow what that Scripture's telling you by submitting yourself to God and then resisting the devil, guess what? You know why he flees? Because he sees the strength that he is opposing. It's no longer your own strength. It's not any kind of device that you can come up with. It's not nothing to do with you. It's the strength of the Almighty God. The one that kicked Him out of heaven. The one that has dominion over him even to this day. He sees that that strength is what he is now opposing. He recognizes what side of the battle you're on. And he says, nothing I can do. So he leaves. Man, that's simple. I love how simple that is. I love that it, it's, it's such a... A magnificent thing, and it's so simple. If we will just humble ourselves and submit to God and His will and authority, we can then resist the devil, and he'll flee. You know, I've tried to resist the devil from time to time, and at that moment I was kind of baffled. Look, I'm resisting you. Why ain't you leaving? then I realize I'm not submitting myself to God. He's able to come and have His way with me because my life is not lining up with the Word of God. I have unrighteousness in my life. And when you get those things out and truly submit to God, see, it's easy to pay lip service and say, Oh Lord, we, you know, have Your will. Right? But then you in the back of your head, are going on and doing what you want to do. I'm not accusing y'all. I'm telling you how I do. That's my flesh, right? So that's what we need to recognize tonight. That number one, most important of all, Satan is our enemy. He is our enemy. Verse 8. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. 
I know a whole lot of Christians that need to get that concept buried deep in their mind. You ever seen people that it just seems like one week after another, problem after problem after problem, and they're just baffled as to why these kind of things keep coming up, and why is it that it seems like God is just never there for them? Well, maybe you need to draw close to God. You see, I told you this morning, God's faithful. And when you know this promise, if I draw close to God, He will draw close to me. That builds faith in me. I don't know about you. It builds faith in me. Verse 9. This is where we need to be right now, y'all. You know, we're having these prayer meetings. We're praying for revival. We want to see change come about not only in this church, but this community. This is where we need to be. Now, I'm not saying you can't have fun in your life. I'm not saying you shouldn't ever tell a joke, or you shouldn't ever laugh or or experience joy. I'm telling you that in your prayer life, this is where you need to be. This is not a time to be going to God asking for things for yourself. Verse 9, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Y'all understand what that means? Do you identify with that? Because see, as God lays burdens on me, and this ain't just because I'm a pastor. He's done this all my life. There would be times that He would put a burden on me for somebody. And I know He does it with other people. It's not just me. But as He does that, I can, when I pray, man, I, I can't help but just, man, just cry and weep and, and mourn for their soul, mourn for whatever their situation is. That is the attitude we need to have as we're seeking God and praying for revival and then praying for this other person that I told you to pray for. It's a serious thing. They are in the grips of Satan, right? Our enemy. It is serious, man. It's not time to be, well, God, let Your will be done. Let Your will be done. Nothing. We know what God's will is. We know. We don't have to second guess this thing. It is a very serious matter and it needs to be taken with the most serious attitude. And you know, along with that... uh, uh, joy of being a child of God comes a little bit of responsibility for those lost souls. We have people we're responsible for. Especially if we do nothing but sit there and watch as they experience the death that this world will bring to them. We have a responsibility to those people. We need to be touched in our heart. That's part of that compassion that we should have. That's what he's saying here. You need to forget about selfish desires for a while. That's what fasting is about. Setting aside my own fleshly desire. It's that serious of a situation that I'm going to fast and put off myself and focus on prayer for this individual, right? That's what he's he's trying to convey to you. 
we've got to get that sort of attitude. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. You know, it's it's kind of a difficult situation sometimes. We got, I don't know how y'all feel. I, I go from one minute where I'm, everything just feels fine. You know, I'm not really thinking about um, the things I'm praying about too much. But then all of a sudden that that weight of that burden comes back and and I feel it again, you know, and I, I just need to pray. And I don't know how all that works out in the spiritual realm. I don't know if that's just God reminding me and trying to get me back to that place again or what, but but there's times that I have to do that. I have to say, you know what, I, I really don't need to be thinking about this stuff right now. I need to be focusing on what God's laid on my heart. I think this all this stuff I'm talking about last week and this week, this is all necessary for us to have revival in our spirit, to be revived and, and be a, a, a living, full of life Christian. The, a, a true meaning of the word Christian. You know, a true member of the body of Christ. An active member. You have to have these things in work in your life. You have to submit to God. And you have to resist the enemy. You know, there are uh, some principles they teach in the military. One of the things they teach is that if you are captured by the enemy, you will make every effort to resist and escape. Why is that? You know, sometimes the enemy treats their captors pretty well. And you could, you know, well, this is just my lot in life and I'll I'll just stay here and be okay. Maybe someday after this war is over, they'll let me go and I can go back and see my family. That's not what they teach you. They teach you to resist at every opportunity, and try to escape at every opportunity. And then they tell you if you do escape, that you try to evade. And that you even maybe try to sabotage the enemy in some way. Right? Because guess what? You're at war. That's what war is about, right? We're at war today, people. The enemy is... The Bible tells us that the enemy is walking around this earth seeing who he can devour. Just trying to find somebody that he can attack. Somebody that's weak and and not on guard. That's not doing their best to resist him. He's just going around looking. Where are the weak spots? We ought to be on guard. And you know what the... What the thing is in the military, when you're on guard duty, you're not just guarding yourself. You're guarding everybody else that's either working or sleeping. 
You see, can't everybody be on guard at one time? Somebody's got to sleep. Somebody's got other work that has to be done. So when you're on guard, you're watching out for all those around you. Man, ain't that important? We've got people around us. You know what? Sometimes there's wounded in the military, and they have to have people look after them. Sometimes there's those that are straight out of basic training, and they don't have a clue about what's going on. And they have to have these more seasoned veteran soldiers that are experienced and can help look out for them. You don't put a bunch of people straight out of basic training out there by themselves and expect them to survive. You just don't do it. You put somebody with them that has been around the block a time or two, that has a little bit of common sense, that has some experience. Listen, that's what that parable that Jesus shared with His disciples was all about. When He talked about those seeds that were some cast by the wayside, some you know, on the side of the road and on stony ground that sprung up real quick because they had no kind of a, a foundation, no earth to, to, to bury in. And when the sun came out, what happened? They just wilted. We've got Christians like that. And they need somebody to dig a little soil around them. Push them down into the dirt a little bit. Water them. Be on the lookout for animals that might want to come in and, and, and tear them up at night time when nobody's around, right? How many of y'all put, build a pea patch and don't put a fence around it? Or don't have a, somebody out there watching for deer, right? They're going to come in and eat them. It's the same way with these young Christians, and maybe not even just young Christians, but beat down Christians, wounded Christians. Somebody has got to be on lookout because the enemy is looking for who he may devour. That all falls under resist the devil. You know, we personalize that a lot, and we need to personalize it. But it's not just about us. It's not. Somebody I'm praying for, man, they're just, I know they know better. But they've gotten away with things for so long, right? And they just keep going further and further and further. And if somebody don't do something, They're just going to keep going. And you know, I don't know, man. It's hard for me to judge who's saved and who's not. That's not something I want to toy with. I sure don't want their blood on my hands. I sure don't want to see them die and say, you know what, I could have done something. And I didn't. We're at war. We've got to fight. If we don't fight, we sure can't expect the one next to us to. And that's the problem today with the church. Everybody expects the one next to them to handle it. There's not very many people that want to stand up and just say, Oh, I'll do it. I tried to teach my kids a little lesson the other day. And I, I used something out of the, that I learned in the army. 
I said, I need a volunteer. And Sarah and Hannah both said, they're like, what? What do you, what do you want? I, I'll tell you in a minute. I need a volunteer. Who wants to help me? So Caleb said, I'll do it. He was a little bit reluctant at first, but he, I'll do it. I said, I need you to take the trash cans and put them back behind the house. We had to take them from in front of the church. So he went ahead and did it. He took them all over there. Well, then he come back, and the girls were still standing there, and I pulled a dollar out and gave it to him. <gasps> Daddy, we, how come we don't get it? I said, I need a volunteer. He's the only one that said, I'll do it. I didn't say you was getting money, but I decided to give him some money, right? Man, that's how we need to be in the church. We need to be saying, I'll do it. Not looking for the reward. You see, that that's where you get the reward is when you're not expecting and wanting and trying to get the reward. It's when you have that contrite heart, that broken and contrite heart, and that servant's mentality, and you say, you know what? I see a need and I want to help. And then after you have served... Very few times have I ever received the blessing beforehand, right? I don't know that I ever have. After you have served, the blessing comes. That's what we need to know. If we had a church full of servants, oh, what could we do, man? <laughs> I wouldn't know what to tell everybody to do. Uh, I don't know, find something. <laughs> right? I have a hard enough time doing some of this stuff as it is now. But you get people that want to serve, man, we could change things. Right? We could change things. I ain't talking about serving me. I'm talking about serving God. You just get several people in a group that have that kind of mentality and man, you can do some stuff. It don't take very many even. All right, y'all stand with me. <clears throat> yeah. I forgot to tell y'all this morning. I don't know what hospital because I forgot to ask Tony, but they had moved Ricky to Nathan. Okay. All right. And I'll find out. I'll call him and find out what. Yeah, let me know. Let me know. <clears throat> Brother Sam, will you dismiss again?